Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Another week here at We Watched a Thing. As usual, I'm Topher. As usual, he's Billy. <laughs> you're a big fan of doing that, aren't you? Not letting me introduce myself. Is that because you're afraid I'm going to use a cool name like the B-Dizzle? I don't know if he's the right word. <laughs> How have you been going, buddy? I've been all right. I've been watching things, as is my custom. <laughs> have you watched anything good? Uh, yeah, um, bit, bit of a mixed bag. I saw um, Soderbergh's new one on Netflix, The Laundromat. Oh, um, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of buzz about that. Yeah, not great. Yeah, okay. It's 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 discount big short. Okay. To yeah. be honest, Meryl's the only reason you'd watch it. Uh I saw our Motivar's new one, Pain and Glory, which I don't think I liked it as much as the buzz, but Antonio Banderas is really, really great in it. I actually saw that. I did a double feature on, on the weekend. I saw Terminator Dark Fate into Pain and Glory. Right. And when I was when I was lined up at the candy bar before Pain and Glory, um, Beth rolled in. She was going to a 25th anniversary screening of Forrest Gump. Oh, yuck. Why? So, she, we, <laughs> so we were like a couple of cinemas away from each other. And too late, I realised what, what I should have done, clearly. Because I was sitting there, you know, the trailers are playing and I'm getting towards the end of my ice cream. And I should have run into her cinema and yelled... Lieutenant Beth, I got you ice cream. <laughs> um, didn't do it. You goofed up because you only get that chance once every 25 years. That movie will never play in theatres again. I really missed a trick. Yeah, you really did, mate. You did. Oh, how about your good self? Mate, I've been doing lots of watching as well. Uh, Great British Bake Off. <laughs> Oh, always the right thing to do. Not the, not the current season. Um, I've gone back in time and I'm doing season two, but it's still great. It's very British. I had no idea before I watched it that there's literally no prize at the end. It's just it's just the prize is the joy of knowing you're a really good bakist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a show. Oh, so British. But let me say, the greatest of the, the amateur bakers that I've ever seen was the winner of the first- season of the Australian one, she would wipe the mat with anyone else I've ever seen on the show, whether it be the British one, the Australian one, the New Zealand one, which I don't even, I don't know why they bothered. <laughs> they were rubbish. <laughs> yeah, no, my wife has been saying that the Australian one is good. Um, so it really is. Like yeah. the British one's the British one's the best because of just the British of it all. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of the actual bakers, um, yeah, we got game, man. But we're not here to talk about Great British Bake Off this week. Maybe we should do that for an episode at some point. Oh, it'd be good. But we are here to talk about Terminator Dark Fate. In what is um, Blade Runner month. Yes. Androids and robots everywhere, mate. It's November 2019. It is, it is the date of Blade Runner. <laughs> yep. Very exciting. <laughs> Actually, did you see that they are doing a retro screening of that this month? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to get to it because I think it was just last year that um, that my local cinema showed the the final cut, and so that was the first time I saw that. So I'm hoping to get to it again because, I mean, you know, it's the theatre experience is its own thing, and it's bloody great. And seeing Blade Runner in a cinema, I can't recommend it enough. 
Yeah, absolutely. Terminator Dark Fate is a 2019 American science fiction action film directed by Tim Miller with a screenplay by David Goyer, Justin Rhodes and Billy Ray from a story by James Cameron, Charles H. Egley, Josh Friedman, Goyer and Rhodes. It's the sixth installment in the Terminator franchise, but it's a direct sequel to Judgment Day, ignoring all of the other three. And it stars Linda Hamilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mackenzie Davis, Natalie Reyes, Gabriel Luna and Diego Boneda. So, I I think I made the right choice. I saw this as I think is the best way to see a film like this. Uh, The wife and I went on date night to the Dendi Cinema's premium lounge, um, like the gold class type thing. And to me, that was was spot on viewing for this kind of movie, I think. You're a little bit distracted. You got some good food. You got some wine. I think that's the way to see this movie. How did you feel about it? Um, so we, of course, for a while now have lived in a world where there's more bad Terminator films than good ones. Um, so my expectations for this film were about on par with democracy. But like we'd said that I was kind of hoping slash even expecting that this would be the third best Terminator film. I don't think it is. Oh, really? That actually, sh- I, I, I must say, like, I do I think it's a great film? No. Do I think it's a fine, fun film? Yeah, I do. I think this is the third best easily. Because we're living at, like, the, the end of Terminator 2 yeah. is really good. It like, is. The Terminator films, the, there's these two films which simply should not have become a franchise. Yes. Like, really, ever since 1991, these films have existed primarily, I think, personally, to ruin my childhood <laughs> introduction to the action genre. Well, see, I've seen- I have not actually bothered with either Genesis. What was the one before that? Oh, sorry, Salvation. I have not bothered with either of those. I The last one I saw was Terminator 3, which I haven't seen since it was in cinemas. So maybe I'm not in the best place to say this is the third best one, but I, I actually had fun with this movie. I, I was on board with a lot of it. There were things that kind of got to me, but for the most part, I enjoyed it. I have Genesis bottom of the heap. That is a horrible film. Yeah. Just horrible. Um, I think I like Salvation a bit more than everyone else. Like, I don't think it's good, but, like, I didn't have a bad time with that film, at least. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that brings us to to Dark Fate, which uh, we're about to spoil the crap out of. Yes. Haven't seen it yet, so be warned. Okay. I like the way the film starts off with with John Connor being just killed in front of his mum. I was like, oh, nice move, movie. That's pretty brutal. Can we also call out the uh, visual effects in that scene? That was incredibly well done. It was nicely done. Like, there's still- Like, we're not there yet. The Uncanny Valley is still there, but it is really impressive, isn't it? I think it helped that there was no dialogue. I think that helped. And I actually heard that in an earlier draft of the screenplay, they did talk in that scene. But I think it's a really smart move to get rid of that because oftentimes that can be where it falls down. I think the lip syncing is really, really hard to get right. But I thought that, geez, these looked like real people. I actually had to do a double take to work out if if this was actually like a stunt double who was cast for, for looking a lot like Linda Hamilton. But then I remembered that we had just seen the footage from 
the end of Judgment Day. And so we had it fresh in our minds of what she looked like. There was no way that they could cast a similar looking per- this that they did an extremely well job of making this look like her. And then when Eddie Furlong turns around, you're like, geez, Eddie. Yeah, and they shoot him or the stand-in. They shoot the stand-in pretty cleverly because we never like we don't have a close-up on him. We don't get close enough that we can really study his face and go, oh yeah, but yeah. he's like only ever kind of head to toe. Yeah. In frame, which is entirely sensible, really. But yeah, I liked the fact that just straight straight out of the blocks, a T-800 just murders the shit out of John Connor. But it does beg the question, you're, you're a killing machine. Your mission is to kill John Connor. How is there not like a secondary directive that says, if his mum's next to him, take care of her too? <laughs> like, really, Terminator? <laughs> You are a dumb as shit advanced robot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a lot of um, questions around, in general, the plot and the idea of John Connor being killed. But I think we can get to that at a a later point. Um, Well, I have a question for you. Yeah. Interested with your take. Who's the protagonist in this film? Well, the protagonist is Danny. But I don't think she's the main character of the film. I think although she is the protagonist, I think this is a Sarah Connor film. See, I think it definitely starts off as a Danny film. I think the longer it goes, it more and more becomes Mackenzie Davis's film. I think I think that's fair. And I think, um, you know, she's obviously a huge part of the film. But, uh, yeah, I, I still feel like really it's a Sarah Connor film at its heart. Good thing about having Mackenzie Davis there is that you don't miss Arnie's muscles throughout the entire thing because her rig is fucking amazing. She's fantastic, I think. I think we we saw her in something- Tully. Tully, that's it. She was outstanding in Tully and she's outstanding in this, I think. I think she steals the show in a lot of scenes. Yeah, I'm I'm a big rap for Mackenzie Davis. You, um, for reasons unknown, haven't watched Blade Runner 2049. She's in that too. Right. Um, Just loves messing with robots. Yeah, up and up until Arnie makes his entrance, I, I think she steals the show. Yeah, so Arnie. Um, at one point, about halfway through the film, I just realised, like, my like maybe this is because my mind was kind of drifting a little bit, and I just thought, I'm not missing Arnie, and I don't care when he turns up. And then he does turn up, and he's the Cyberdyne System 101 Domestic 800. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not here for it. I'm not here for the D800. Um, no, not with his um, Dominic Toretto taste in beers. None of it. <laughs> yeah, the Coronas made me laugh. They cracked them out a couple of times in this film. It's very clearly, yes, a bit of Fast and Furious thing going on. Um, it, it actually really worked for me. I found myself, as I said, really quite enjoying the film a lot more than I was expecting to. And I agree with you. I wasn't missing Arnie at all. And when he did turn up, it was a really strange thing for me because simultaneously it made the film infinitely better and also infinitely worse. Just like depending on your state of mind, he's either absolutely ruined the franchise and the film or he's just made the film a whole bunch of fun. I I did find myself laughing at quite a lot of the humour in the film. He has one really, really funny line. Which one is that? 
when he's talking, he's telling them, like, why this woman keeps him about. And Arnie just deadpans that I'm very funny. Yeah. That was, that was funny. I, I laughed numerous times. And, like, yes, it does break. You know, like it's funny. You think back to Terminator 2 where he is Uncle Bob. You do get a little bit of that going on there in that film. So, this isn't completely out of the realm for the Terminator franchise to have this kind of humour and, and characterization of the Terminator. It is taken to a next level in this one. It is- it, It's- Flanderized to an extent where it is it is more gearing for laughs than it is for anything else. But for me, it, most of it landed, so I was okay with it. I think a thing that, that bugged me about the whole D800 um, is that- So, at the end of Terminator 2, great ending, Arnie, Arnie does that whole, I know now why you cry yeah. spiel. Oh, yeah. Thumbs up in the lava. He's saying to John, look, I'm not human I'm, and I can never be. Yeah. He knows it. Then Arnie pops up in this film and lo and behold, like he's actually just telling them, yeah, I learned to be human. And I was like, fuck off. You know you can't do that. You know you can't do that to the level that you lowered yourself into freaking molten metal. Well, he lowered himself into molten metal not because he couldn't become human. He did that to save John. Yes, he did. But he did it mere seconds after saying, I know now why you cry, but it's something I can never do. He didn't literally mean I can't grow tear ducts. He means I'm a robot. I don't have a soul. I'm not one of you. Yes, but he is, he is a learning machine. AI is a very interesting thing to look at, really. And in, ter- in T2, he'd been around for a week. Here he's had 22 years to sit and learn. Now, I don't think that even he is pretending that he has learned to be human, but he has learned a lot of the traits and characteristics and, and he has learned empathy, at least, if no other feelings. Yeah, well, I'm not into it. <laughs> I want Death Machine Arnie. I, ha- I have my other issues with it, which I think we can get into at the end when we talk about the whole time travel stuff. But I was totally on board with Arnie in the film. A thing that didn't work for me once Arnie's there I think the film reaches this point where there's too many chefs in the kitchen. Like, in in the original film, Sarah had one protector, and it worked. Great film. Second film, John has his mum and a Terminator, and it worked. In this film, there's three people looking out for Danny, and as it turns out, three's a crowd, I think. Like, they're just getting in each other's way. I get... I was pretty over Sarah being angry at anyone who isn't human. I was like, okay, I get it, but I'm also bored of it. Yeah, I that I'll definitely agree with. I think they they almost went a bit Hobbs and Shaw with the relationship between, yeah, yeah. between Carl and Sarah. I agree. And for me, that actually is less interesting. I, even the whole idea that this was the Terminator who actually offed John, that was my one thing about his character that- I just, I just couldn't get behind. I just couldn't. All it did was create bickering between the two of them and bickering without actual tension. Like, this is the man who murdered your son. You're going to do more with than bicker, Sarah. <laughs> and to me, it would have been infinitely more interesting. if We already know that Skynet had sent multiple Terminators. I would have found it interesting if this is one of the ones who arrived after John was already offed. So, he, yeah, get, right. he gets there with no purpose. He gets there, realises, my mission is complete. What do I do now? And 
you know, from there his story can remain the same. But to me, that would have been more interesting, I think. I like that, actually. Do you think that Carl is a reference to Carl Weathers, Predator style? Like, the original Terminator could go up to this Terminator and say, CIA got you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> Here's a question. When you think of the Terminator, right, and, and you go to do your silly little accent, as you do, what is the line that you say in your head? It's not, I'll be back, is it? Because for me, the first line I think of when I think of Terminator is, wash day tomorrow, nothing clean, right? <laughs> I don't know why. That's just where my head goes. <laughs> Might be a bit to unpack there, Billy. <laughs> I, did, I warned my wife. I said when we record, more than half of it is going to be me doing um, Arnie impressions, which I'm sure Topher is going to love. And she said he won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we talk about New Terminator? Yes. The Rev Nine. Yes, let's let's get to Rev Nine. Always fun to talk about a villain. Not a Skynet villain. Not a Cyberdyne system. This guy's been this guy's been built by was it Legion? Legion. Yeah. Yeah. So completely different AI that built really the same robot. Yeah. I mean, really, it, it's really the exact same AI, just with a different name, right? Like, yeah. It's like it's just it's the T one thousand. 2.0. Yeah. And um you know, he's like he's okay. He 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 whoops around killing people. Um I I really only have one big issue with him. And here's my issue. In Terminator 1, it's it's made very very clear um and it's quite explained by Kyle Reese what the T800 is. It's very well explained what the Terminator is made of and what his abilities are and aren't. Yes. You know what he can do. You know what he can't do. Exactly the same in Terminator 2. It's pretty clearly explained what Agent Doggett's- yep. well, Yeah, the T-1000 is well-defined. He's, he's liquid metal. You know what exactly what he's made of. You know what he can do, what he can't do. Knives, stabbing weapons. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's- You asked before, that's my Terminator line. Yeah. <laughs> my biggest issue with the Rev-9 is that it's- it's never explained. Nobody, Mackenzie Davis doesn't say, you know, what these machines are made of, how they're made. You have no idea what his abilities are and aren't. He seems to be able to do infinite things whenever the script calls for it. At one point, you see a, an army of these machines that all have kind of octopus tentacles. That's about an hour into the film, and that hasn't been established as something that these machines do. I think they were the Rev-10. Early on in the film, you see him, like, grow a, a gun out of his hand and and fire a bullet, which is just not something that we've seen the Terminators do before. We've seen them grow weapons, you know, the liquid metal. Well, in, T in T3, she had an arm cannon. Right. Um, which I didn't rate at all. Uh, I, for me, the biggest issue is just that he's never really defined or explained, and so you never know what his abilities are and aren't. He seems to just endlessly be able to do- Yeah, it was like in Venom. It was just like, how many spikes do I need to shoot out at this point in time? Yeah, and for a long time, you're left wondering, is he actually even killable? Because he just he doesn't seem it. He seems completely invincible. And even the, um, the destruction of the Terminators in 1 and 2- makes sense as well because 
all right, we know what they are. We have an idea of how you might be able to stop it and melting the T-1000. It makes sense. Yeah. Crushing the shit out of the T-800, it makes sense. Yeah. Because we don't know much about the Rev-9, we just get this really convenient, uh, if we stick my power source in his eye, that'll yeah. probably do it. Yeah. What I will say about the Rev-9, I quite like the design. I think, um, you know, I really like the look of that, you know, skeleton form that he's got. Does it come in black? Yeah, I'm a bit of a fan of it. I Yeah, I, I didn't mind that at all. One thing that was a bit of a bugbear of mine was that his, his human disguise, unlike Arnie in the first one, and, you know, sure, it helped that Arnie doesn't exactly have a massive range, so he can't do that many human emotions. But when, like, when, when human form would kind of come back together with skeleton form, he had these kind of almost little twitches of like, oh, yeah, that's better. Yeah. And I was like, you're, you're a fucking robot. Yeah, I'll agree. And I, I Stop think- Stop doing that. I think also there were some moments where he said things that felt completely out of place. Um, you know, there were a couple of times, you know, like at the start of the film, one of the big mistakes he makes is asking for Daniela instead of Danny. And, you know, that that's a giveaway. You, you know, that's the kind of thing that Terminator has always done. You think back to Terminator 2, you know, the phone call, your foster parents are dead. <laughs> like, they, they're not able to emulate humans and they don't have that knowledge. But there are points in this film, like, when he says that he, he just got back from touring Afghanistan, I'm like, that's not something a robot from the future would know to say to sound human. Mm, he's Yes, he's... he's- Learning computer is awfully good, apparently. Yes. And there was a moment later in the film when he he randomly says to another police officer, hey, do you know where I can get a chopper? And not only does that- re- It just sounds so unnatural. They then just give him a chopper, even though nobody knows who he is. Just so far out of the realms of reality. Like, okay, sure. It's a sci-fi film. It's not meant to be in the realms of reality, but you need a basis and that just- Well, if it's going to be a good sci-fi film, then actually it should be in the realms of reality. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, also with that, they bomb an opportunity to have Arnie say get to the chopper. So, (laughs) fuck them. (laughs) Um, Another another thing about the Rev-9 that didn't work for me is just- And this goes for the film more broadly than just the Rev-9, but it's probably- most apparent, I think, in the Rev-9 is just the complete disregard for the laws of physics. Like, I'm fine with this thing being really fast, but he would also weigh a ton. Yeah. Like, sticking with Dom Toretto, Dom Toretto's charger is awfully fast. Yeah. But you, it's still, you know, you feel the weight of that thing when it jumps off the line. Yeah. When the Rev-9 jumps off the line, he just springs about like a cat. Yeah. And- it's no good. He should be putting holes in concrete when he comes into contact with them at that pace. Yes. It's like me back when I played sport. Like, I was <laughs> surprisingly quick, but I couldn't stop. <laughs> Inertia's a prick. Yeah, I agree with that. I think a lot of that comes down to kind of sloppy visual effects. As much as I was praising um, that opening scene where they did the de-aging, I think later on, a lot of it falls apart for me. Uh, in particular, the first scene where he's chasing them in the warehouse in Mexico. And there's a scene where there's a shot where he jumps off a higher ledge down onto them. And like you said, he looks like a gliding sugar bat or something. Like he just looks completely weightless. 
uh, and it just it really was a really strange effect and look. Yeah, and I think the for me the the entire climax around the the dam, it looks like a video game, and it's hard to be particularly invested when there's just nothing tactile feeling about what's going on. Yeah. Where, like, you compare that to particularly the first, which is, I mean, more than a sci-fi film, the first is a horror film. Yes. They replace the Terminator with a made-up beast, and it's a horror film. Yep. Absolutely. And the thought of this thing getting near Sarah, let alone touching her, is terrifying because you're aware that if that happens, it's all over. Whereas at the end of this film, when Danny is squaring off against it, there's a point where the Rev-9, like, literally- gets its hand around Danny's throat. Yeah. And, like, I'm sorry. No. (laughs) Danny's dead. I don't care that it's, like, yeah, the thing's kind of on life support at that point in time. I don't care. It could just drop its weight on her and she should die. I think it kind of misses a trick with, and who knows, maybe this existed at some point in the script. Who's to say? But I think there was something there which is not explored at all in the fact that, yes, they did stop the ascension of Skynet, but it happened anyway. Like, it's there in the title of the film. It's, as far as this universe is concerned, the the dark fate of humanity is that this is going to happen no matter what, whether it's Skynet, whether it's Legion, whatever. But it's it's brought up in, like, a line, and then it's it's done away with. The film just has no time to live with that or explore it, which I actually think is a shame. See, I think- And this is where we get into a lot of my issues around the time travel side of things, is that- Firstly, I, f- I feel a bit bad for Eddie Furlong. <laughs> like, I mean, is there any is there any reason that he couldn't have lived? Like, could this not have been the exact same movie with Eddie Furlong instead of Danny? Yes, because you could. You could say that, okay, well, the plot of the film is that there was more than one dead hundred. Sorry, they'd still be t- they'd they'd they wouldn't be domestic eight hundreds. They'd be proper eight hundreds. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you absolutely could. And look, I'm not saying that's the way it should have been done. I I actually quite like that we got away from that for a little bit. As I said, I you know I still feel like this is kind of Sarah Connor's film, but I I like that we moved away from that a bit. But I have some real issues with the logic of the time travel. Which it's a time travel movie. There's there's going to be issues, but John Connor was born because he sent back Kyle Reese. So there's there's a closed loop paradox there where we've now we've now broken that loop. So for me logically it doesn't make sense. You know I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. John Connor now never meets Kyle Reese. Exactly. And which the, to me that's the fate that was always spoken about in Terminator is that no matter what they did the mere fact that John exists tells us that the war happens. We know that Judgment Day happens no matter what they do, because if Judgment Day doesn't happen, John isn't born. So, And without Kyle Reese, we eventually never take down Skynet, so it would still be Skynet rather than Legion. Exactly. So this is where, this is where I have my kind of paradoxical beef with the, the time travel aspects of the film. You know, and that that's a small gripe. For me, it continues even deeper than that. You think about the fact that, okay, in the future, Danny will have she'll have a memory of this time. She remembers meeting Grace at this time. She remembers being hunted by the Terminator. She knows that she is eventually going to lead the rebellion. She also knows how to kill the Rev Nines. 
because she knows that Grace's power source will do it. It's used as a power source for upping humans, you know, so we know that it must be fairly common in that time. Yeah, just turn them into grenades. Exactly. Can't they just take them all down? Like, that to me is a huge plot hole in all this. I mean, with any film involving time travel, there comes a point where you've just got to shelve it and go, okay, if we delve into this, it's going to fall apart. I mean, there is, but that's why I always kind of appreciated it. As much as I didn't like the sequels- I I kind of didn't mind knowing that they existed because it's like, well, yeah, I, I like we always knew that it was going to happen anyway. So I don't mind that we're going into this stuff. But this one, because it kind of breaks the loop for me, as much as I enjoyed the film, it does kind of break the franchise for me in terms of that. I'd like to have been a fly on the wall in the edit suite. Apparently it was tense. Really? Because Miller's trying to make his film. And James Cameron comes in all fucking, I'm James Cameron. And apparently there were differences. Really? My assumption was that Cameron attached his name and then didn't do anything. I, I just assumed that he was not not involved because this doesn't feel like a James Cameron film. That said, I mean, Avatar, I mean, also didn't really feel like peak Cameron. So as much as we had all been craving a, uh, a sequel to Fern Gully. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen, but it would seem that this film is going to lose an awful lot of money. Yeah, I've I've seen that. I've seen that box office, this is not doing very well. Opening weekend was was real bad. And I read somewhere that it was estimated that it would have to make the better part of half a billion worldwide before it turned a profit. And here's another spoiler alert. This thing is not making half a billion worldwide. So, let's ask then, do you think that this is- this is now finally it for the franchise. With the failure of this film, we're possibly done. I thought that after Genesis. So, I'm unwilling to say yes, but I mean, they're not going to be in a hurry. It might need total reboot, really, if they're going to. Well, that's the thing. Genesis might have been the end of the franchise as we know it, which clearly it was because this film decided to do away with all those previous sequels. I think the only reason this got made was because Hamilton, Schwarzenegger and Cameron were attached. So, they thought that might be enough to save the franchise and bring people back to it. Clearly, it hasn't been enough. I, I think we might be done. Did you ever watch the Sarah Connor Chronicles? No, I didn't. It's um, it's Lannister, isn't it? Who's Sarah Connor in that? It is. Yeah, it's Lena Headey. And it's actually a great show. I'd highly recommend it. Um, if you're looking for good Terminator- it, it's the third best Terminator piece of media. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that's more the direction the franchise takes. I don't think the franchise is dead. She can come back as Sarah Connor. Oh, that'd be She's great. She's free now? Yeah, get Cersei. Do it. <laughs> um, you kind of mentioned it before when you spoke about how the first film was more of a horror. I think that's genuinely true. And I think that's one of the interesting things that the franchise did early on was it went from a horror film to an action film. Not unlike Alien. Yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't mind seeing more of that. There are definitely different genres you could explore within this universe. For a long time, I don't know if it happened because I haven't seen Genesis or Salvation, but people were hoping for a war film. Yeah, and you could, I suppose, if you're really desperate for how do we- if, if a studio feels like we have- we just have to make another Terminator film, you could make a war film with Mackenzie Davis. Yeah, 
all in all, you, you sound fairly negative on it. How are you scoring it? Yeah, look, the first, like, 45 minutes of this film, I was having actually a reasonable time. And the longer it went, just the less and less I was into it. By the end, I was really ready for this thing to finish. I'm a 3 out of 10. I don't rate it. I thought about giving it a 4, and then I looked at other things that I've given a 4 out of 10 and was like, no, this film is not as good as them. Wow, I really thought you might have been at least a 4. I'm going a 6. Like, it's not a strong recommend, but I I had fun watching the movie. If in doubt, just watch the first two. Yep. (laughs) All right, what are we getting to next week, buddy? Next week, I think we're back on the patron wagon, are we not? That's right. We have a patron demand, and you know we love our patrons. If if a patron demands something, we give it to them. So we will be watching the Big Lebowski. You may have heard of it. <laughs> little uh, little film by some unknowns called the Coen Brothers. Interesting that our last patron request was a Coen Brothers film as well. Right, you are clearly our patrons have a type. All right, that'll be a lot of fun. I haven't seen that in a long time, actually, and my wife has never seen it, so I think she was keen to watch it with me. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and we'll catch you next week. Go watch a movie. <laughs>